Well, um, I am, by the way, my name is Mark. If we haven't met, I see some, some new faces in the crowd, so hope that you feel welcome. This is a place where we really just want to make sure that teenagers in Siena or, you know, from Pearland, Sugarland, wherever you're from, right, surrounding areas, have a place on Wednesday nights kind of in the middle of the week to come and just kind of like let loose uh, maybe meet some friends, hang out, worship, be encouraged. And so that's what this is all about. So I hope, I hope that you feel welcome and encouraged. Um, if you are new, I'll just go ahead and tell you that we have a, uh, a table out there where we're serving pizza right after service. If you're a first-time guest, we have a gift for you that we'd love for you to stop by and grab after. I will try to remember to uh, ask you to do that at the end of service as well. But um, we have been in this series on prayer. And uh, I think I told you last week that I've kind of added a week, or actually added three weeks um, to this series because I felt like there was something here in particular that we needed to continue talking about. Now, I will also tell you, just as a note, has nothing to do with the series. I've had like multiple opportunities to tell people about you guys. I had coffee with someone today that asked about you guys. I, um, I remember how many of you were here when Pastor Greg stopped by on Sunday morning a few weeks back? Yeah. And we stepped outside and we talked about you guys. Do you know, the middle schoolers heard this. I don't know if the high schoolers heard it. Do you know what Pastor Greg said about you guys on, on that Sunday morning? That he has been praying for you in particular. Not student ministry all over Houston. Not even just student ministries all over Houston's first. But the Siena student ministry he's been praying for in particular that whole week leading up to coming to visit us. And, um, and there's people that are praying for you. I believe there's people praying for you literally right now. Um, and uh, there's people that are very impressed with you guys um, gathering to worship on a Wednesday night when you could probably be doing all sorts of things. And so I just want to let you know how proud I am of you. Um, if you haven't heard that lately, just know um, this is one of the highlights of my week. I love Wednesday nights at Fuse, um, and so I'm just so proud of you guys. Some of you, who's the eighth graders in the room? I had the high schoolers and the middle schoolers. Eighth graders in the room? I had a particular conversation about you guys as you guys are getting ready to step into high school. I know that's the big scary step. Um, probably not quite as scary as fifth grade and a sixth grade. I don't know. Maybe you could debate me on that later. But I was talking to someone about that eighth grade class is getting ready to move into ninth grade. And um, I, I got to just tell you, I am so excited about where our high school ministry is headed with you guys stepping into that more on that later. I just wanted to let you know that you guys are a part of something really special. And so as we do this talk during about prayer during Fuse, uh, leading up to spring break, I want you to know how important it is that I think that you grasp some of these truths. Now, we started off this series talking about the Lord's Prayer, which is like one of the most commonly recited prayers, commonly recited scriptures of all time. These aren't going to be on the screen. I kind of want to do this from memory. Um, the Lord is, uh, specifically Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer uh, because they asked to learn about prayer. And he says, pray then in this way. Um, anyone know the first line? Our Father out, who art in heaven. Who, who's in the second line? That you don't count, Brian. Hallowed be thy name. Okay. Um, Keep going. Not amen yet. Not amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. You guys are doing great. Now, who can um, who can rem- remember kind of the three steps that we talked about, right? So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What was the kind of the the phrase that we use there? 
declare God's greatness, right? What was the second phrase, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Surrender your will. And that was the third step, right? Give us this day our daily bread. There's a, there's a, there's a phrase. Do you know the phrase? Acknowledge your dependency. Yeah, it's great. If you remember those three phrases, I know they're not the scripture. I want you to remember the scripture too. But I want you to kind of like see the scripture in like three sections, right? First, we, we don't want to rush in and just be like, God, can you give me a bunch of stuff? Okay, amen. Because I don't, if that's all prayer is to you, um, then sometimes we get the wrong idea entirely. And so then we say, we surrender our will, right? We, we say, listen, God, I just want to let you know, I've got some things that are on my heart, but I just kind of will lay them at your feet. By the time you get to like acknowledging your dependency or asking for stuff, you're like, hey, could you help me with this? Could you help me? I've got a friend that I've got this problem with that I, we need to reconcile or, you know, whatever the case is. I'm really stressed about something. Could you help me? By the time you declare God's greatness and surrender your own will, by the time you get there, you're like, hey, I just, I just trust you. You would be expert prayers if you were able to start with those first two steps. Everyone rushes to step three. That's fine. That's fine. But I don't want you to rush to step three. We talked about Psalm 139 a little bit last week. We talked about this word repentance. Um, I kind of wanted to go through a couple different um, verses there. We're not going to be in Psalm 139 all week, but I promised that I would get into more of it this week. So uh, verses one through three, we, we read this last week. Oh, Lord, you've searched me. This is David talking to God. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. Essentially, you're, you might be reading this. You're like, okay, Captain Obvious, God sees and knows all. Like, congratulations. This isn't earth-shattering. But it kind of is because some of us are tempted to kind of run from God or lie to God or lie to ourselves. Lying to yourself is a weird thing that some of us learn to do. Um, and you're like, how could you lie to yourself? Because you know the truth, but you're lying to yourself. Sometimes we try to tell ourselves, it's okay if I do this thing because God understands. And it's, we're, we're kind of saying, this thing is okay, even though the, the God's word calls it a sin or whatever. And what David's saying here is just like, I'm laid out in front of you and you, like, you've seen my heart. So there's no hiding, right? Verses 4 through 6, he continues. Even before words of my tongue, behold, you know it all together. Could you imagine if you knew people's words before they say them? Could you imagine if you knew people's like, thoughts? Like they're like, hey, oh, that outfit looks so pretty. But they're inside the thing and like, gross, gross. Could you imagine if you like were able to like read people's thoughts? That's, that's, uh, that's actually terrifying. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. If, you, if, you've ever, um, if you've ever had a moment where like, man, I just don't understand how God does this or how he's so big, how he's in the past, present, and future at the same time. The Trinity, he's three and one. I don't get it. Same, right? Same. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. For me I, I cannot attain it. I can't, I can't understand. Which, by the way, if I could understand God, it's pretty small, Right? If, our, if, my little, if my little human brain could understand the creator of the universe, like, I, I, I don't know. So uh, skip forward a couple verses, uh, verses 13 to 14. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Guys, there's, this, is a, this is a prayer, uh, but this is also something you should understand, that God knew you before you were ever born. Okay, this is important. This is why we say you have value from the moment that you were born. Were you perfect? By no means were you perfect, right? You have, you have sin because I don't think I have to convince you that you have sin, right? That we're all sinners or whatever. But, but 
God knew you before you were ever born. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Sometimes you have a hard time understanding that, but we should all be able to say that to God. I'm, you, you don't make junk. We talked about that last week with the video, right? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And then these last verses, 23 and 24, I really want to hinge these last three, three weeks on the, these verses. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, this is, this is you saying to God, hey, I know I'm not perfect, but will you just help me understand in ways that I can grow to look more like your son? We talked a little bit about this last week, and I want to continue to talk about it. What, what's the word we talked about last week? It starts with an R. Repentance. Repentance is, uh, what does repentance mean? It's a change of mind. It's a change of mind. And I would say it's, it's changing your mind so much that you change your direction, right? Walking towards sin and selfishness. Nope, I'm going to change my mind. God has shown me his son is, is my savior, that I'm a sinner. I'm going to walk towards righteousness. I'm going to walk towards Jesus. So repentance is kind of the thing. Now, where does all of this have to do with prayer? Search me. No, okay, so it's David's prayer. It's cute. It's whatever. So I, sh- I guess I should repeat it or whatever. I want you guys to be able to be just like open with God. Open with God. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But first, I want to show you a video clip. If you could turn your attention to the screens. Prayers, prayers, okay, prayers. Uh, this creepy whisper thing has to end. Organization, right? Management. That's what I need. I need a system, something concrete. Concentrate. Files. Let all prayers be organized into files. Well, that takes care of the voices. Not exactly a space saver, though. Grace might notice. Prayer post-its. Okay, I need something with a lock. Security combination, password. from the hills of Colombia. (laughs) 
Could you imagine, have you ever thought about how many prayers are being prayed, being prayed at every moment of every day and like how God is somehow able to like take all that in um, and how obviously a human being, uh, who's seen Bruce Almighty? It's obviously a very old movie when you look at the technology there. Um, and so the adults in the room were like, wonder, we're, we're remembering that kind of, that style of computer. Anyway, the, um, the, the prayers being prayed, could you imagine, I just had this conversation with someone, could you imagine if God said yes to every prayer request? What kind of things, okay, so let's do this. Let's be really organized about it. What kind of things do you, th what would be like a result of everyone getting a yes to their prayer request? Chaos? Selfishness? You'd get a good math test grade? Okay. Inflation? Explain. Okay, all right. You're think, thinking ahead of it. Okay, so inflation. We have, we have inflation without God saying yes to every prayer. So um, they use God like a genie. Okay, a couple more. Ooh, that's good. Everyone feel entitled? Yeah. Okay, so let me, let me flip it on you. What, um, is it possible that my prayer answered could hurt you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what, do, you th what do you think about, um, why do you think God says no sometimes? To protect us? Sure. Okay, yeah, so none of us really understand, you know, if we can just be honest, the mind of God. He's obviously much higher than us, right? He's obviously, like, infinitely smart um, and infinitely loving and infinitely powerful. And so some people really struggle with this idea that he's powerful, but why do bad things still happen, right? Why, does, why is it that when I pray for something just genuinely good, like someone to be healed of a disease, that sometimes... Anyone ever, like, had God, uh, God didn't answer a prayer request that you're like, what, what's, like, what's the harm in this? Yeah. Sometimes we struggle with that. We struggle with that. I'll tell you, um, adults struggle with that, too. And I don't, I don't want to, like, lie to you or sugarcoat it. Sometimes you really struggle with why God answers some things and doesn't answer other things. There's sometimes, right, we're just kind of walking through life, and like we pray about something serious, and God doesn't answer it. Um, but then you're like in a hurry, and like you're like in the HB grocery store on Sunday afternoon, which is like 
Not when you go to H-E-B ever because it's just slammed. And you're like, God, help me find a parking spot. And then you find a front row and you're like, why couldn't you have answered that other prayer request? You know, you start to get upset. And he's like, well, did God answer it or was it just kind of a coincidence? You know, we, we have all these thoughts. We don't understand why God would answer this or why he wouldn't answer that. I'll tell you, this is going to shake you up. Um, there are some places in Scripture where I've learned that God said, I'm not going to hear your prayers. Now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's going to shake some of us up. How many of you have ever, just, just, just raise your hand, you've ever read a portion of Scripture where God said, I'm not going to listen to your prayers? Anyone? A couple of us? Yeah. Um, how many of us are, are like thinking this is like a test right now? And he's like, God doesn't say that. How many are too nervous to raise their hands right now? Yep, me! <laughs> like all of you? Okay, so I want to share a couple different places in Scripture where God says that he's not going to answer your prayers. This is no gimmick. I'm just going to read it to you, okay? And then I want us to come to a conclusion together to talk about what is common about these specific situations, okay? First, first, God says he will not hear you if you ignore the poor. Who boy? If you ignore the poor. Proverbs 21, 13, right there. I read this all the time. I read like a proverb a day. It's kind of one of the things I do for my devotional. So every, every 21st of the month, right, I read Proverbs 21. And I always come upon this one. And it always just shocks me a little bit down my spine. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Why do you think that's there? Anyone got any thoughts? It's just a proverb. You know, Proverbs is just like, boom, 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 boom. It's hard to find context in Proverbs because it's just like, they're quick little reference points. What do you think? Think about, think about, G- oh, go ahead, sorry. If you only live for yourself. Now, I want you to hear me so clearly. I'm not saying that every time you see a homeless person, that if you don't pull a dollar out of your wallet, you're going to hell. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm not telling you not to. I'm not telling you. So a lot of you, have you ever, anyone ever had a conversation with your parents about like, hey, we should help them because... You ever had a conversation with your parents about that, right? And you should go and continue having conversations with your parents about that because there's reasons to do it. There's reasons not to do it. And you just kind of have to fall. But I would tell you this. Our church is very much interested in partnering with agencies and groups and ministries that do help people that don't. I mean, for Pete's sake, this, this coming Sunday is the first Sunday. Every first Sunday of the month, what do we do? First Pantry. So if you come to our church on Sunday morning, the first Sunday of the month, there's going to be tables out front on the pavers, and people are going to donate food. And I think, like, on average, we donate about 900, 950 pounds of food a month, right? That's incredible for people that, that don't have food. So I love being a part of a church that's generous to those who need help. And I want to be that, I want to be that myself. Here's what I think. What, did, what was Jesus' heart towards the poor? when he was alive, it's just kind of a human, right? His three years of ministry. What was his heart towards the poor? 
There's times he fed them. Absolutely. Loving and caring. Did Jesus ever look at the poor and be like, oh, get away? Actually, there was a lot of times that the disciples or the religious rulers would say, these people don't have it and they're not worth having it. And Jesus would say, you might want to change your mind about that. You don't. You don't know. That's tough, right? That's tough. That's a conversation you should have with your parents. Good question. How do you know that they're not going to take the money and go buy alcohol with it, go buy drugs with it? You don't. You don't. Now, I'll tell you, too, like, there's, there's methods of it. So if someone says, like, ah, I just really want, like, I've had moments where someone's like, I just need cash because I need to go eat. And I'm like, well, what if I give you food? They're like, no, 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 I just want the cash. And you're like, you don't want the food. You want the money for something else, right? Um, but I'll just tell you this. Here's my own, my own personal conviction, not the sermon, not scripture, okay? I leave it up to God for me. So I, there's, there's times that we, we get involved with our church, with ministries and things like that. With a ministry, right, you're going you're gonna to be able to give with like full assurance that they're taking care of your money. Um, middle schoolers in the room, if you're here um, in the next few Sundays, we're going to be packing up Easter baskets uh, for um, kids that come through second mile around Easter. That's one way that we're going to do that in a very methodical, right, loving way. Um, but you're right, you don't know. You don't know. Here's what I was going to say, okay? Here's my own personal take. I just let the Lord guide me. And there's times where I'm sure I've given money to someone who's like, ha ha, and he's like, not homeless, doesn't need the money, he's just whatever. And you know what? I leave it up, I leave it up to God. I leave up the results to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. There's lots of ways. We could probably unpack a whole night about how to help the homeless. One more question. Say that louder. What was the second option? I'm 40. I can't hear anything anymore. Oh, so many. Uh, let's say both. I think this is in. I think this is probably talking about people who don't have what they need. Their basic needs. You know, so like not enough money to provide shelter, clothing, food, water, those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. Let's do the second one. Okay. So we understand, right? You ignore the poor. You make a lifestyle out of ignoring the poor. What does God say? When it's time for you to cry out, I'm going to close my ears. Reason number two, you doubt God. This is a tough one, right? This is James 1, 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Yikes. Anyone have doubt problems? I do. I do. Now, does that mean God never listens to your prayers? You're like, I don't know. This is the first time I've ever heard that sometimes God doesn't listen to my prayers. Does God, okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think that someone who doubts in that moment is always doubting? I'm going to say probably not, right? Do you think someone who asks faithfully is always asking faithfully? Do you always, are you always at a 10 out of 10 in your spiritual life? 
No, we all have moments when we struggle. But what God is asking you here in this moment is, are you actually going to have faith? If you, if you praise something, are you, are you talking to me? I think maybe dial it all the way back to like, who are you talking to? Is it like, God, I just, uh, man, I just want to ace this test. And so like, God, if you could just help me out with that. And it's real flippant. And like, it's like you're talking to your buddy, right? And not a king of kings and the Lord of the universe. Do, do we sometimes walk into prayer flippantly? Or do we even sometimes pray? It's just like, I don't even think this is going to do anything, but I guess I'll just pray. It's kind of a last-ditch effort or whatever. It's a challenge. Like, do you have faith in your prayers? I, I have found this. If I can just be real, very, like, transparent with you. The declare God's greatness part is very difficult to do if you don't have faith in him. The surrender your will part is very difficult to do if you don't have faith in him. Those parts are really, really difficult. To, so you're kind of like, God, you're, you're great. You're, I mean, yeah, you're great. You know, you ever find yourself like, do I really believe what I'm saying? I think this is what, this is what James is getting after. Okay? Reason number three. It's a, a third point in Scripture that I found. You're prideful. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I will just be honest with you. It does not in particular say that God doesn't listen to their prayers. But what does oppose mean? goes against goes against like let that sink in the creator of the universe who is in control of whether or not I live through this talk right whether controls whether or not I breathe for longer than 10 seconds from now who's in control of your heart beating right now I don't want that God to oppose me, right? I want to I find myself in submission to him. So think about the things that are pride. What does pride really mean? What does a prideful heart look like? Does a prideful heart lean on God? Does a prideful heart say that there is a God? Does a prideful heart find themselves in submission to God? Now, I think in this moment, what, what James is telling us, is that if you are having a prideful moment, first of all, I mean, if you're prideful, your, your prayer life is probably zero out of 10, right? Because prideful, a prideful heart says, I don't need anything from anyone. I'm awesome, and I don't need anything, right? That's, a, that's the opposite of humility. And Jesus, if he demonstrated anything, demonstrated humility, right? Wants us to have that kind of heart. Reason number four, got to kind of hurry. You are unjustly violent. What does that word unjustly mean? No, that's not what it means. Not fair. Not for a good reason. I was, I was thinking in my office, I was like, man, let me think of a couple good um, explanations for when it is, so the word just or justified or like you've done it for a good reason. It makes sense to be violent. When does it make sense to be violent? You're like, is this a trick question? Okay, so, so self-defense. Okay, someone else said something. The, oct- the octagon? I don't know. <laughs> I'm with Brian. I'm like, uh, 
uh, uh, I'm lost in that. That's sport. So that's a hard for me to, I don't think you're a sinner. If you are a UFC fighter, that's another fuse talk for another time. But I, but no, that's good. If you inflict pain on someone, you're, you're violent, right? It's a good question. Like violent sounds like the intent is just to harm someone without any, what do you think? Speak up. So is that a good reason? Okay, so we're asking, we're asking like for a justified reason. What does that mean? Is that a good reason to be violent? I'm asking, here, let me rephrase it. What's a good reason to be violent? Standing up for someone else? So um, if someone is bullying you and I shoot them in the face, is that justified? Some like, Mark, Mark, I'm just making a point here. I'm making a point here. Shh, hold on, hold on. So there needs to be an appropriate level of, of defense for that person. Here's, here's, I, here's the, like, the highest level, right? God forbid. Someone breaks in my house. I'm going to protect my family. You know? I've used this, um, we use this illustration because we got into a question in the high school group uh, several months back, like, when is it okay to lie? And I started the lesson saying never. And then I was thinking, okay, so what, what if someone comes to my front door, right? It's midnight, so boom, 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 boom. And there's just dudes in front, and they're like, where are the kids? We're here to kill your kids or whatever. And it's a weird, like, that doesn't happen, but just track with me. And what would I say? I would be like, I don't have any kids. What are you talking about? Is that like, I don't know, is there's probably not, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm just kind of working this out with you guys in the moment. But like, if, if it's like, if someone is going to hurt my family, I'm going to defend my family. Now, unjustified, there's probably way more examples. We'd be here all night long, right? If you just haul off and hit someone for no reason, right? Or if your feelings get hurt and you're violent. Or if you want to, if someone else got hurt and then you kind of like that, like, if someone hurts my friend Gary, and then I go and hurt that person 10 times worse. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But sometimes we're like, well, they hurt my friend. They should never hurt my friend. I think we should just be cautious about the amount of right, violence we use. In this moment in Isaiah, right, when you spread out your hands or when, you, right, when, you're, when you're fighting, when you're unjustly violent, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Are there reasons for self-defense? Yeah, 100%. But can I just be honest with you? Is our world more demonstrated by justified violence or unjustified violence? Unjustified. Full of crime, full of violence, full of people seeking to hurt others. Right? We, are, we are not, by any stretch of the imagine, uh, imagination, like a a good people on this earth. We wake up every morning and choose selfishness. Kind of that thing I asked earlier. If God said yes to all your prayer requests, some of my prayer requests, what if God said, hey, I want to hurt this person? God said yes, right? That's like our hearts. There's a verse in Jeremiah, I think it's 17, 9. It's not on the screen. It says that our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
Who can know it? Who can understand it? And when I hear that verse, it just reminds me like, at my best, I'm still pretty selfish. I'm still pretty selfish. At my best, I still have selfish motives. At my best, if you cut me off in traffic, I can still get kind of mad. At my best, if you say something about me that's ugly, that hurts me, I might be tempted to do the same thing. And that's not, that's not right, okay? Um, unjustly violent. God will not listen. Reason number five. Let's keep going. You're insensitive with your wife. How many of you middle schoolers and high schoolers have wives? No. All right. So this is First Peter right here. This is important for you guys to understand. By the way, I don't think, think like men and women both have like biblical commands as far as being a husband or a wife. I think this is one of those that like the wives, it's not like you get a pass, you just be like rude to your husband. But, you know, this is, a, this is a, a, one of those where the husband's really got to step it up. Live with your wives in an understanding way. By the way, this, some, of, some of you are going to get triggered with this verse. So let's just, let's just walk through it. Um, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, so as far as this sermon is concerned, that so that your prayers may not be hindered, what would hinder your prayers as a husband? Someone speak to it. What's this verse saying? Seriously? Yeah, you try to protect your wife and your children. What? Yeah. Okay, yep. So the goal, the goal of this verse is here. Hey, married men in the room, it's important for you to love your wife, right? Ephesians 5, if you ever want to learn about like the roles of a husband and a wife in marriage, Ephesians 5 is my favorite. I think it's like 20, 20 to 30 or 40 or something like that. Back half of Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what, is that, what does that say about husband? Listen, it is, it is we are to mirror Jesus as he literally sacrificed his very life. Does God call me to crawl up on a cross and die? No. But every day, like, do I put my family ahead of my own needs? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A life of long, lifelong service, right? And the husband, sorry, the wife in Ephesians 5 is there to respect her husband, Right? That's all in Ephesians 5. Now, let me, weaker vessel. Some of you are just like, I don't like that. Right? What does weaker vessel mean? Let's talk about it. Is the Bible calling you weak? Hierarchy? A little bit? Okay. So um, we would say that the, the biblical model for marriage is that the man is head of the home. Where do we get that? Ephesians 5. Right? and plenty of other places in Scripture where it's demonstrated. But is it because women are weak? No. Here's, here's, here's how I think about it. You would treat a vase different than a basketball, right? If you treat a vase like a basketball, your vase is no longer a vase, right? And your wife, okay, or men, if I can just say young men, you're not men, uh, young men, 
One day you'll have a future wife. I was just talking to the band in the back about weddings and marriage and, and all this kind of stuff. If I can just say this, I did not plan to say this, but if I can just say this, it would be my joy, it would be my joy to be here long enough to be able to see you guys grow up, you go through college, right? you meet your, your husband or your wife, and for me to be able to guide you in biblical manhood, right, or womanhood, to be able to counsel you guys, or you guys getting ready to get married, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not perfect, but I would love to be able to walk you guys through that. That, that would be like the, the biggest honor for me, to be able to walk with you guys through that. One of the things I've learned is that it is very important for us to, us husbands, right, to be gentle, right, to be loving, right? Husbands, right, men and women were created completely differently, both in God's image, both wonderfully made, just like Psalm 139 said, but different, man, just different. Anyone ever been at the dinner table and mom and dad are talking and you're like, these people are speaking different languages to each other. They do not understand what they're, sometimes dad is just like, do, 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 like we do that, okay? We do that. Some of you are like, yes, That wasn't in my notes. I didn't plan to speak man to you. Um, there are some things that men, there are some things that men were created to excel at that maybe a wife might need help in. There are some things that women, wives, excel at that they're able to be a partner, a helpmate to their husband. And men, this is a special call for husbands is to be gentle with your wife so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let me just make this intensely personal. Some of you uh, don't have a great picture of a dad in your home. And I understand that, and I'm sorry. Some of you have watched a dad treat your mom with disrespect, maybe violence, and that's not okay, and I'm sorry. Uh, a lot of people struggle with the idea of God as a heavenly father because of the man that was in their home. And that's not okay. And I want you to understand that God sees that pain and knows it and is with that wife and with, with those children through that. And I'll tell you, sometimes we feel like we get away with stuff, right? Why is it that he can do that and he can get away with it? And I don't see much getting away with it. I'm just going to be honest with you so that your prayers may not be hindered. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Let me hustle. Number six. In fact, Ben, can you go ahead and come on up? Because I need to uh, pull this thing to a close. Two more. You have selfish motives. James 4.3 says it this way. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This is one of those, like, I told somebody before service, is like when I was a kid, I, I prayed one day. I was like, God, can there just be a million dollars on my bedroom floor when I wake up and I because someone had taught me like hey God answers your prayers and so you're like why is no one asking for a million dollars this seems simple why are people broke you know and then I woke up and there was no million dollars and then I was like is God even real <laughs> you know I mean, it was like a child right? I just didn't understand we ask for selfish motives right if you declare God's greatness Hallowed be your name. You surrender your will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You get to this point of trust where you're just like, hey, 
money or no money, right? Fame or no fame. Good grades, friends, whatever. I trust you. I trust you. Whatever the situation is. Seventh, you love your sin too much. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished my iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And I think this one sums it up for me, right? Um, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, if, I'm like, if I want sin more than I want God, these are times, okay? Some of you are like, I have never heard those verses before. Now, I plucked, I plucked some of them out of their context. I challenge you to read them. A lot of them are in the book of James. You could probably go read the book of James and hear like three or four of those all over again. Um, but there's moments where God says, I'm not going to listen to your prayers. Now, can I just ask you a quick question as we close? Does God shut his ears to some humans forever and ever? Is it possible that someone who did any one of those things, someone who did all of those things, come to repentance and really turn their life over and give the life to Jesus? Is that possible? Let me be very clear. Yes. So this is that moment where some people are like, hey, man, I can't come to Christ. I can't have salvation. I can't go to heaven. You have no idea what I've done. And what we would say is, God paid for all of your sins. And he was on that cross, paid for your sins before any of those sins were ever committed. God knows. God knows. He paid for those sins. Right? Some of you are just like, man, I don't know. Maybe that's why God wasn't listening to me. Hear my heart. Can we, book, can we go back to Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, please? Kind of very beginning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the ever, way everlasting. Can you stand for me real quick? I just want to seal this moment. The band is going to uh, start playing here. And we are going to have a moment where we're going to respond. Some of you are going to sing. And some of you are going to probably... Have a moment with God where maybe you ask for forgiveness. Some of you are just like, I've been prideful, 100%. Some of you are like, I, I cherish my sin too much. The thing that I know that God doesn't want for me, I cherish it. And it's, my sin is on the throne, not God. Some of you need to wrestle with that, okay? So I'm going to pray. Um, as, as we've done the last couple weeks, right, I've given you opportunity. I'm not going to have all of you come down. But if you want to come down and kneel at the altar while we're singing, that is totally okay. In fact, it's encouraged just to have a moment with you and God. If you want to pray with a leader, we would invite that as well, okay? So the band is going to sing. I'm going to pray for you real quick, and then, and then I'm going to hand it off to the band. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for these students. This moment, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts, and I pray that there are students here who would just truly be devoted to you. Maybe some of them would be turning these things over. Lord, I, as we sing, some of them need to have their hands out as a, as a gesture of just this openness, like, God, search me and know me. So wherever we are, Lord, we just need to give that over to you. It's in your name I pray.